You're listening to a sermon preached at First Baptist Church in Farwell, Texas. We are committed to loving God, loving people, and going into the world to share the gospel. We pray you find this message both challenging and encouraging. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 is we continue in our series called Authentic Disciples. Jesus is calling on the remaining 11 disciples to be authentic in their walk with him, to be true, genuine, authentic disciples. And he is giving them instruction on how to do that. Uh, For the last several weeks, we have been in the last 24 hours of Jesus' life just before his crucifixion. And here we are again this morning, John chapter 15, verse 12, and Jesus has just uh, finished, and the 11 disciples have just finished the Lord's Supper. They have left the upper room, and they are in one of two places, or they are either inside the city wall, on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane, Uh, Maybe in the Kidron Valley, they're traveling through as they left the upper room, through down through the Kidron Valley, and up to the Garden of Gethsemane, or they are possibly in the Garden of Gethsemane at this time. We do not know exactly where they are at, but we do know that the the, uh, Last Supper has finished, and Jesus is giving these. Now, think about it. Think with me, if you will, that Jesus is about to be crucified. He knows that it's coming. He has told the disciples that it is about to come, and you know that their hearts were worried. They were struggling. Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 5. And so here's Jesus in the last hours of his life pouring into these 11 disciples, knowing that these 11 will will start and expand the church. He wants them to know what it is to be an authentic disciple. And so we pick up the story this morning in John chapter 15, verse 12. It says this, This is my command, love one another as I have loved you. Jesus is the example, the perfect example of how we are to love one another. Think just for a moment, if you was to make this, excuse me, if you was to take this in its smallest context, Jesus would be saying to these 11, love one another. Um, Matthew, you love Peter. Peter, you love Matthew. And on and on and on through the 11 disciples. You know, these guys were not the closest of friends. They weren't even best buds before they became disciples. And, and, and we can even see through the gospel accounts that even while they were following Jesus in Jesus' presence, they were often arguing with one another and against one another. So in its smallest context, Jesus is saying to these 11, love one another as I have loved you. Let's expand that out to the church, to the body of Christ. Jesus would be saying to you and I during this period of Jesus' ascension and between now, between then and Jesus' return, he would be saying to you and I, church body, while I am gone, love one another. He knows that we're not all going to be alike, 
Praise God for that, right? Praise God you're not all like me. I'm glad there's just one me. He's not calling us to all be to, to uniformity. He's not calling us to that. He's calling us to love one another as Christ loved them. Now, let's expand that out even a little bit farther. Jesus didn't just show his love to the 11 disciples. Who else did Jesus show love to? He showed love to unbelievers. He showed love to people who were the outcast of their day. Think about it with me, with me for a moment. Jesus showed love to a woman who had an issue of blood. You talk about two strikes against you, but, but Jesus showed compassionate love to this, to this outcast, to one, to one that everyone else would have written off. Don't even get close to this woman or you will be unclean. But yet Jesus shows love to her. Not only does he show love to this woman, but he even shows love to a man who, was, who, who had leprosy. And Jesus drew himself close to this man who had leprosy. Jesus even did the unthinkable and he touched a man with leprosy. Jesus loved his followers. He loved the unbelievers. He loved the outcasts. And Jesus says to us, to the disciples, and he says to us today, if we are going to be authentic disciples, we must love as Jesus Christ has loved. So we start there, John chapter 15, verse 12. This is my command, love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know his master, what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you. Do not miss this. I have made known to you everything I have heard from my Father, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you, love one another. Here we have in our text bookends uh, to this part of the story to this timeline in Jesus's life, he bookends this instruction with love one another. He starts it with love one another as I have loved you, and he ends it with love one another. I believe that's an important, important theme for us as authentic disciples. It fits with what God has called us as a church, right? To love God with all that we have, to love others, and to Go and make disciples. That's what Jesus has called us to do. And we see that here in this story. Jesus is calling them to love one another. But yet he does something very interesting. He does something that the disciples would have never, ever imagined that was going to happen. They, they never imagined that Jesus was going to say what he was about to say. They believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and he is. They never in their mind thought 
that Jesus would say this, you are my friends. That was way beyond anything they could ever imagine being in relationship with Jesus Christ, that they could be a friend of Jesus Christ. And so, in the authentic disciple theme, I want you to see this, that an authentic disciple is a friend of Jesus Christ. Now, don't check out there and go, well, goodness, this is basic. Maybe you should be teaching this in children's church, Russ. Come on, we, we you know, a friend of Jesus. Yes, this is much deeper than what we could imagine than just simply saying we are a friend of Jesus. So don't, don't check out uh, thinking that this is some just basic thing. I want this morning um, to look at <clears throat> why the change in relationship? Why the change in relationship? <clears throat> and then number two, what is our responsibility <clears throat> in this changed relationship? What is our responsibility in this changed relationship? And um, I, I am only going to be able to get to one of these. Tonight we will actually look at number two. What is our responsibility? I remember um, several years ago, the pastor that I got to serve under for nine years, Donnie Harbors, uh, one time he asked me to preach, and, and this was very, very early on in my, in my ministry, and I, and I asked him, I said, how many points does a sermon have to have for it to be a sermon? And he said, it has to at least have one point. <laughs> Just make a point. And so this morning... Although I'd love to have three points in a poem, I have one point. I would love to give you both, but time will not allow it. So tonight, we will look at what is our responsibility in this changed relationship. But let's start with this. Jesus is calling authentic disciples into a deeper relationship. Jesus is calling authentic disciples into a deeper relationship relationship, there is a dynamic shift in relationship between Jesus and his disciples that I want us to observe this morning in our text. Dynamic shift in this relationship. Look what he says in verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. You are my friends. The distinct change in relationship is not simply a mood change by Jesus. Jesus is not simply feeling all emotional that he is about to be crucified, and he's not looking at his disciples and going, you know, guys, we have spent the last almost three years together. We're buds. We're friends. I can count on you, because Jesus knows exactly what's going to happen in the next couple hours. He's not going to be able to count on any of them, right? They're all going to bail. Jesus is not having a simple mood change when he says, you are my friends. There is a distinct change in relationship. Jesus first called the 12 disciples, or he first called the 12 disciples, which means learner, a student of a teacher. That's what disciple literally means. So he first calls them the disciples, and then later on in the gospel stories, we see where he calls them apostles. And now, now in addition to the, to the disciples and apostles, now he calls them friends. Look at verse 15 with me, if you will. 
I do not call you servants anymore. Because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my Father. There is a distinct shift from servants to friends. Think with me for a moment about servant or slave. Some of your translations will use the word slave. A servant is a slave, or I'm sorry, a servant or a slave is is the property of his master, right? That's a, that's a slave, that's a servant. Property of his master. The master owns his servant and was at the disposal of his owner. That's what a servant is. A servant gave unquestionable submission and blind obedience to his owner. That's what we can see in servants, in slaves. All of the servant's energy, all of his life was to be poured into increasing the productivity and the, pos- and the possessions of the one who possessed him. That was his purpose for continued living, to increase the possessions of the person who possessed him. Now, you might be thinking, isn't this also the description of a follower of Christ? a servant of Christ? And I I would say, yes, in some sense, it is. The Apostle Paul says that it was, along with several other uh, New Testament writers. Let me share a couple of scriptures with you to point this out. Paul says this in Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Listen to what Paul says. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Now listen, Paul was an apostle. He was what, uh, not at this moment when Jesus is speaking this, but Jesus would have said to him, you are my friend. But notice, Paul says, no, I I am a servant of Christ Jesus. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 12, Paul is writing to this young church, and he, he talks about Epaphras. And he says, Epaphras, who is one of you, church at Colossae, a servant of of Christ Jesus. Not only did Paul see himself a servant, not only did he see Epaphras a servant, even Epaphras thought himself as a servant of Christ Jesus. In James chapter 1, James, the brother of Jesus, doesn't identify himself as a brother of Jesus to maybe score some points. He says this, James, in James chapter 1 verse 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. In 2 Peter chapter 1, look at what Peter says, Simon Peter, a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And Jude, James' brother, listen to what he says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ. Authentic disciples are still servants, or some of your translations might say a bond slave to our Lord and Savior, but in our text Jesus makes a distinct shift in our relationship with him when he says this, I do not call you servants anymore. I have called you friends. Called you friends. What what does the word friend mean in our world today? 
Not much, right? Not much. If, if Social media has brought a lot of people together, but it hasn't really made a lot of friends. Probably the, the opposite is true, right? If we were to get down to it. If we were to sit down and make a list of our true friends, what we'd realize is that most people are acquaintances and not really true friends. Praise God for acquaintances. I'm, I'm thankful for all of my acquaintances, but a true friend is a blessing from God, right? If you were to sit and count your friends, most of us would have very few true friends, and those true friends are a blessing from God. What does the Bible say about a true friend? Write these down in the margin of your Bible. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. Listen to what it says about a true friend. One with many friends may be harmed, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Here's another one to write down. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourself. Here's another scripture regarding friends. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also are to forgive. What do we see in those scriptures? A true friend is one who sticks close. A true friend is one who is selfless, one who is humble, someone who is willing and ready to bear your burdens with you. A true friend is someone who forgives you. Listen to what Jesus says. I do not call you servants anymore. I have called you friends. You see that Jesus is one who sticks closer than a brother, never leaves us. He never forsakes us. We are secure in his mighty right. He's, he is selfless. We saw that in the story of Jesus uh, washing the, the disciples' feet. He's, he is selfless. He is humble. He's willing and ready to bear your burdens over and over. We see in Scripture where God invites us to bring our burdens to him. He graciously forgives us. And here's Jesus saying, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Now notice the contrast again. In slavery, there is unquestionable submission. There's blind obedience. But with friendship, there's informed submission. You see the difference in unquestionable submission and in, in friendship, there's informed submission and not blind obedience, but intelligent obedience. Look again at verse 15. I don't call you servants anymore because the servant doesn't know what his master is doing. Do you see what he's saying? Now there's informed. You are now informed. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from the Father. Do you see what Jesus is doing here? He's saying, listen, I don't want you to blindly follow me. I don't want you to blindly obey me. I don't want there to be unquestionable obedience. I want you to know what I'm about. And I want you to know who I am pointing to. I want you to know what your purpose is. 
And I have done just that. And I am calling you no longer servants. I am calling you my friend. The remaining 11, they're submissive to Jesus. But by no means are they unquestionably submitting to him. We can see throughout scriptures, and I want to point you to a couple of texts. They're submissive to Jesus after they have asked many questions. And here's the beauty. God isn't turned off by their questions. And God's not turned off by our questions. You have a lost brother or sister. You have a lost friend. You have a lost co-worker. You have a lost friend in school. Listen, God is not turned off by their questions. God invites their questions. Think with me. The 11, or, yeah, the 11 disciples, Jesus is in the upper room with them, and he is pouring into them. He is, they're having the, uh, the Last Supper. And you know what the disciples are doing? They've, they've seen Jesus wash their feet. They've experienced that, and they're full of questions. Look with me, if you will. Turn If you brought your Bible, to, uh, and they'll be on the screen, you can follow along. John chapter 13, verse 36. I'm not going to read all of this. I just want you to notice a theme. Jesus, the upper room, having the Lord's Supper. You would think they would sit there in silence. They don't. They have question after question after question. And here's the beauty. Jesus answers their questions. John chapter 13, verse 36. Lord, Simon Peter said to him, where are you going? Look at the grace. Jesus answered. I'm not going to read all of it. I just want you to see. There was a question. Peter asked, where are you going? Notice the grace. Jesus answered. John chapter 14, verse 5. Lord, Thomas said, We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Question. Notice the grace. Jesus told him. John chapter 14, verse 8. Skip ahead just a little bit, two verses. Lord, said Philip, show us the Father. And that's enough for us. Not necessarily a question, but he is... Uh, There's a little bit of doubt there. He's speaking to Jesus, and Jesus speaks back to him. Jesus said to him. Look look with me in John chapter 14. Skip down just a little bit to verse 22 and verse 23. Here Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but Judas says to Jesus, Lord, how is it you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Notice the grace. Jesus answers. Oh, do you see? You see what's happening here. Jesus is not wanting us to be unquestionable, unquestioning to him. He doesn't want us to be uninformed. He invites the question. He has invited the questions of these 11 disciples. And he says, oh, listen, I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends. Each of these disciples They're asking as a disciple. They're asking as a follower. They're asking as a servant. But I want you to notice, they're asking while seeking friendship. They want to know more. 
They want to follow him, but they don't want to be blind, blindly following him. Neither does Jesus want them to blindly follow him. Jesus is willing to answer their doubts. He's willing to answer their questions. He's willing to calm their fears. When he had answered their questions and he removed their blindness, he says this, no longer do I call you servants, I call you friends. The question stopped. No longer do I call you servants, I call you friends. Listen, I believe Jesus longs for us to understand that friendship with him is an infinitely higher plane on which we do, which to live than the unquestioning blind servanthood. Let me say that again. Friendship with Jesus is an infinitely higher plane on which to live than that of unquestioning blind, blind servanthood. Jesus doesn't want us to follow him with blind obedience. That's not his desire. But informed, intelligent obedience. That's his desire. Jesus' heart, Jesus' heart is not that we would give him unquestionable submission, but his desire, his heart is that is that we would give satisfied submission. His desire is not that we would drag ourselves after him as though it was some type of duty or that we might get a prize at the end of our journey and then somehow after we've drug ourselves through duty and, and that, we, that we think that we might get some kind of prize at the end of our journey, we somehow twist that into a, a prideful boast that we have followed him even though begrudgingly we have obeyed him. No, that's not his desire. His desire is that we would follow him, not out of duty, not out of ought, not out of some future reward, but that we would follow him joyfully, gladly, that we would suffer for him because we genuinely love him, not as servants, but as friends. That's his desire, that we would serve him, not out of duty but as this out of reciprocal reciprocal friendship. No longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Listen, religion says serve Jesus out of duty, but an authentic disciple serves him because we love him and have been loved by him. You see the difference? Religion says serve Jesus out of duty. Authentic disciple says serve him because we love him and we have been loved by him. Religion says serve Jesus out of fear of some cosmic killjoy. An authentic disciple says serve Jesus because we have been chosen by him. Oh, that we would get that, that, that Jesus Christ has looked on us and he has chosen us. We didn't choose him, but he has chosen us and he has sent us out with a mission. Matthew chapter 28, therefore go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Oh, and the best part of that, remember, I am with you always. He has chosen us for a mission. Religion says serve Jesus when it's convenient. But an authentic disciple, we give him our calendar 
And we lay it on the table and we say, yes, Lord. My calendar is yours. Reminds me of that old hymn. Wherever he leads, what? I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. That's that's authentic disciple. Oh, wherever. I'll go. Religion says serve Jesus because there's something in it for you. Authentic disciples work to see the increase of his possessions because we love him. Not that there's something. Man, man, listen, I don't want to be obedient to the Great Commission because there's something in it for me. I want to be obedient to the Great Commission because Jesus Christ has loved me unconditionally and I love him. Religion says love those who love you. But authentic disciples say, I will love as Christ has loved me. Jesus is saying to these 11 disciples, he's saying to us, this is how we are going to win the world to Christ before his return. This is how we are to live until he returns as an authentic disciples. Listen, authentic disciples are a friend of Jesus. And as friends of Jesus, we can be, oh, this, is, this is the paradigm shift, I guess. As friends of Jesus, we can be obedient servants like never before. Jesus calls us friends. We can enjoy that dynamic relationship But enjoying that dynamic relationship, I believe we'll say as Paul said, as James said, as Jude said, fill in the the blank with your name, servant of Jesus Christ. Because he loves me. Look at verse 15 real quick. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my Father. Listen, Jesus welcomes our questions, and by the grace of God, He answers our questions. Jesus reveals God the Father. He reveals God's plan. He reveals God's grace. He reveals God's love. He reveals God's purpose. But notice this, He also reveals God's justness, and He reveals God's righteousness, and He reveals God's holiness. And because He has He continues to do so, and it frees us to be obedient to Him. You're here this morning, and you've had lots of questions, but you've been afraid to ask. Oh, may you hear what Jesus is saying to you. Ask. I I want you to follow me, not blindly. I want you to know Jesus is revealing God's plan to us. He's revealing his love, but he's also revealing his holiness, his righteousness. May we not miss it. Thank you for listening to this sermon. 
If you'd like more information about our church or have any questions regarding the sermon you just heard, we would love to hear from you. You can visit our website at www.fbcfarwell.org or send an email to info at fbcfarwell.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching FBC Farwell. It is our prayer that the sermon you listened to was equally challenging and edifying to your walk with Christ. Thank you again for listening and have a blessed week.